right, well, here we go. We are engaging in our series, summer series called Ask It. We are in week four, and we are asking the question, what is the wise thing to do? And as you go throughout your life, and as you have to make decisions and accept invitations, and whether you take on a new responsibility, or you go to a major thing like a job, or a relationship, or, you know, kids, and all these different things, how do you, how do you deal with the emotional things that come into your life, with health issues, with financial Financial issues, all these different things are constantly bombarding your life. And how do you make good decisions? And so we're asking this question, what's the wise thing to do? And so this is something that even if you're someone who is not a Christ follower, you you don't consider yourself to be very religious. It's something that um, if you pursue these principles, it will impact your life. These principles will impact you. Uh, but for a Christ follower, this is something that really is important. It's required. It should be a part of your life. It's how Scripture leads us to engage and lead our lives. And so we fleshed out this question. The first question is, what's the wise thing to do? And then we're fleshing this question out. We're asking three separate things. And you guys can put this up here for us. It says, in light of my past experience, in light of my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, what is the wise thing for me to do in light of all these three things? So in light of your past experience, what have you done in the past? And did you engage this type of thing well? Have you experienced a decision like this before? What did you do? Or what did you do well? Or you know, what did you do that was really bad? Or in light of your current circumstances, how full is your calendar? How much stuff is happening? Should you take on this extra thing? Or in light of your future hopes and dreams, thinking about where you want to be in the future, what you really want to do helps shape the emotion, the urgency of the moment and gives you strength to say no. What is the wise thing to do? Two of the big things that that we've been stating in this series that you've heard is this. I just want to highlight them real quick. One is don't trade in what you want most. It's your future hopes and dreams for what you want most in the moment. Don't trade in what you want most for what you want now in the moment. It's amazing. We see this all throughout Scripture. There's some incredible stories of people who did that. It's a warning for us to be careful. Think about your future. And another thing we talked about is that in the areas that matter most, we, we talked about this last week, in the areas that matter most, you can't make up for misspent time. Your time is important. It's valuable. What are the areas that matter most to you? And that helps you make decisions of what you do with your time. Last week, we talked about the principle of time over time. It's on our podcast. It's on our website. You can go back and revisit that if you want. And then we've been listening to this scripture. It's incredible for us. Ephesians 5, 15 says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. He, Paul is writing this scripture to us. He's writing to this, this church in Ephesus. He says, Be careful. Think about it. Be intentional about how you live because the days are evil. And then he goes on to say, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Seeking God is ultimately the path of wisdom. Because we don't want to be fools in our lives, but we want to seek God out. We need Him in our lives. Be careful. And our homework has been, throughout the series, our homework has been to ask it. To live your life during the week and think about this question, well, what's the wise thing to do? As you get bombarded, bombarded with questions or you have a decision that comes up, you're learning to ask this. And whether you act on it or not is very telling to one another. 
It's like, yeah, I should do that, but... You know, like, we're talking about I should exercise. I know that I should do that, but sleeping in is pretty great. You know, like I had a late night and all these different things. I shouldn't stay up late or I shouldn't eat this thing, but man... It's so good. <laughs> like, it's hard to do that. So it's interesting what we know we should do than our actions that come with it. That is telling to your heart. It's telling to my heart. I've been doing that, by the way. I have a lot of things to think about as I've been going throughout this series. But when it comes to our actions and it comes to decisions that we make, we don't always make the best decision. We have things. All of us here today have things that we regret. I remember uh, being in a significant conversation with a good friend of mine, and we both were beginning to enter into our adult lives, and and she had been in a significant relationship for quite a while now, and, and it was leading, uh, you know, towards a, a point of serious, very seriousness. And she came and, and she asked me straight up, "Do you think I should marry this guy?" Now there was kind of a reason. There's there's things going on. There's things that she saw and she knew, but she's beginning to seek wisdom out. And, and, a, and for me, she didn't need to marry this guy. In fact, he was a terrible person. He was awful. And, and, and so how do you say that to someone? How do you say that to a friend? Well, it was, it was what she needed to hear. And she asked that. And I said, you, you don't need to marry him. Don't do it. And, and that's, that's a hard thing to say. But I cared about who she was. Who she was. And she wasn't someone that was like, it's me against the world, and nobody understands the love we have. And nobody so she wasn't coming with that attitude. She was actually being kind of humble about it. And she was seeking out wisdom. But everybody in her life was saying the same thing as me. And she said to me, she says, I just, she says, I just, I don't think I'll ever find anyone else. And so the emotion of what was going on in her heart, her heart came up and said out loud a lie that wasn't true. And so she married him, and she suffered great consequences. There was a lot of regret. Those things that people wonder about came true. How, how do you make good decisions when your emotions are involved? Right? But we all make foolish decisions, right? So for me, I love good food. <laughs> I love friends and being around people and engaging with that. And I love great atmospheres. And, and so someone has a great, you know, there's a great restaurant that's full and packed with people that's decorated well. Like, I love that. And, or somebody throws a great party and it's just a great host. And so I've discovered over the years that when, when those things combine, like friends and food and great atmospheres, I can easily make bad decisions. I'll spend too much, stay up too late, or whatever it may be. And so that is why, actually... I own this. Here you go. This is why I am the owner. I wouldn't necessarily say proud owner, but owner of this amazing artwork. All right. I don't know if you guys can see this well. And online it may be hard. I can turn it this way for this side camera here. But the, this is, uh, it is, if you're, if you're trying to figure out what this is, this is a frame painting, uh, painting, a frame picture of the old school game, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. And this is Mike Tyson after he's TKO'd, whoever the player was in this game. This is like the first Nintendo NES system. It was, it's an amazing game. You should try to play it. And, uh, but anyway, it is signed by Mike Tyson. That's his real signature, okay? And so, you know, uh, yeah, I bought that. That happened. <laughs> and, you know, when I went to pick this up... Uh, I was like, there is nowhere in my life that this can be hung. This is the only time it's ever been displayed. 
So um, there you go. Yeah, that, that happens. So why, we, we make decisions like this. And, you know, fortunately, the money did go to charity. It was, it was for our initiatives in Jersey City. So there's a good side of that. And that's, see, this is what happens. There, there were other things, by the way, that I could have spent money on. But for some reason, that was it. So there you have it. Well, let's, let's take this away. I don't think, uh, I can't be reminded of this this whole time. Why do we do this, right? We all make some dumb decisions in our lives. We all do. We all have regrets. We have chapters of our lives, years of our lives, weekends. We wish we'd like to get back. We all have decisions that we want to remake. And sometimes you think about it in emotion or somebody talking about it like I am or a movie you watch. or These things remind our hearts of this. And they can, they can accuse us. They can make us laugh. They can make us wonder. Money that we spent, invitations we wish we hadn't accepted, a relationship we wish we stayed out of, events we attended, like jobs we should maybe never taken or moving somewhere, a partnership that you entered into, some business initiative. And so this happens, and we think about it, and looking back, we ask ourselves, how could have I been so foolish? How could have I been so foolish? We ask that. And then we say this phrase, and this is profound. We say, I should have seen it coming. I should have seen that coming. Perhaps you've, you've, you've done something before and, and you said out loud, I'll never do that again. You say that, and then a couple months later, here you are again. And you're like, how, how could I, like, I can't believe it. I should have seen it coming. The implications of that phrase is profound. If you should have seen it coming, chances are somebody did. Somebody did. Someone did. And either you didn't listen (laughs) or nobody warned you. And maybe because he or she knew that you wouldn't listen. You just weren't in a place. So this raises the question for us today, how can, or why can, I, why can I see it coming in your life? I can see it in your life. I can see it in others. I can see it in my, your friends. You can see it in your roommate, your parents, or your sister, or your brother. Like, how can I, I, how can, I can see it in your life, but I can't see it in mine. Why is that? Well, one reason is, or really the big reason, is personal decisions. Personal decisions are emotional by nature. By nature, a personal decision is almost always emotional. And emotionally charged environments are not ideal for decision making. And so it's good for us to identify. That's why we got to think about it and and go about our lives and identify what are these emotionally charged environments. And so I'm learning this, right? I identify with one with you today, and it'll get me in the future, no doubt. But we learn, like I need my wife, I need others that stand in the moment. And so they are not ideal. And so you always have something working against you when making personal decisions. You know what that is? You. You are working against you. Our emotions make the obvious less obvious. And science proves this. They know about different parts of our brains that take over. And so when everything around you in culture says, like, hey, just follow your heart. Maybe not. Maybe not. 
This is why you, you aren't as good about managing your own money, but you would probably do a great job managing someone else's money. Because the personal, the emotional side of things, whatever it is, there's something that, that grips you, and you have the impulse buys and buyer's remorse. This is why you may not know what to do about your own marriage or your own relationship, but you know exactly what your neighbors need to do. You know it, right? You've thought about it. Or your kids baffle you. For those of you who have kids today, but your neighbor's kids, man, you know, like, just kid, put that kid to bed. Like, I, I, I'll say that all the time. The kids whining. I'm like, that kid, somebody just take that kid home. Somebody's like, you know, but for my kids, like, you know, they're, you know. So there you go. Your kids baffle you. When your appetites are stirred, you can hardly see straight for stuff, people, recognition, or power, the desire to be right, for control, like our appetites get stirred, and our emotions cloud our judgment, and lust, anger, jealousy, insecurity, or arrogance, and it's hardly possible to hear the voice of wisdom when your emotions are raging. In fact, we, we hardly ever actually know what the wise thing to do is in those, in those moments. All right. Okay, so with that, un, with that understanding, then it really brings us to the question, what, what's the wise thing to do in this specific circumstance, right? When emotions are high and our appetites are inflamed, what is the wise thing to do? And so this is like usually the case, right, with the relationships and money. And so what's the wise thing to do? I'm just going to tell you right up front, the biggest one is this. It's to listen. Listen. When your emotions are inflamed, when things are going crazy, what do I do? What do I do? You stop and listen. It's really hard to stop. I was trying to see how long I could go and be silent in that moment. Because <laughs> even that's hard, right? Wise people know when they, when, when they don't know. And they aren't afraid to go to those who do know. That's like the longest point I think I've ever given. All right? Wise people know when they don't know. And they aren't afraid to go to those who don't know. They recognize when there are no condition to decide for themselves, by themselves. I, Aaron and I were discussing this a while back, and I, I was like, we need some kind of word we say out loud, like that describes this moment, that this moment's going on. Because we're not fully understanding. Like, and, and, and if someone says something to you, you're like, no, I shouldn't, you know, no, no, leave me alone, right? We need a word that says, that says this is happening. We haven't figured that out yet, but we'll work on that. But like we talked about that. We need this. Wise people understand and know. And when I surrender to this insight, I'm great, right? But when I don't, I pay for it. And sometimes, literally, I actually pay for it. That happens. 
What's interesting is we look at some of the wisest people that we have ever lived, and, and, and we have, as Christ followers, we have, we have uh, Solomon, who wrote several books of the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament Scriptures, one being Proverbs, an amazing book to read. I've talked about this in the series, and he was an ancient kings, and kings aren't generally known for their willingness to listen, but he wrote more about it maybe than any other person ever, any other wise person. And so when he became a king, he asked, God said, what do you want? And this is what he asked for. He asked for wisdom. In 1 Kings, it says, God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight. God answered that prayer. He asked for, win- for wisdom. It says he, he gave him very great wisdom and great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. It goes on to say in, in Kings, it says, And his fame spread to all the surrounding nations. From all nations, people came to listen to Solomon's wisdom, sent by all the kings in the world who had heard of his wisdom. This is like we, we see this in history. People went to him. And peace reigned because of this. Everybody benefited from this. And he writes, Proverbs 9, 9, he says, Instruct the wise, and they will become wiser still. Wise people recognize what, what they don't know, and listen to those who do. What's fascinating about Solomon is that this wise person who says so much about seeking counsel, you'll see this, I'm going to just read a ton of Proverbs as we go throughout this, you know, this, this morning, is that towards the end of his life, he didn't listen to wise counsel. As he got more and more settled into this, he did get counsel, and he got in trouble. It happened to him. It was personal decisions, financial and very much relational. He, he literally married his le- legacy and eventually divided the kingdom. He had like 700 wives and concubines or something crazy. Like He was trying to make peace with every nation in the world and did all these things, and it divided his kingdom. So if he needed outside counsel... Who are we kidding? <laughs> Who are we kidding? So none of this is, is news to us. You know this, right? Like we know we need people in our lives to speak to us. So what is it that takes us from the line of, yeah, I should do this, to okay, <laughs> or actually listening to someone in these moments? What keeps us from that? Well, here's the deal, is that wise people know, okay, we got all that. But here's our side of it, and this is the second kind of heading, is, is we push back. We push back for many different reasons. There's so much going on in our hearts. There are several reasons, actually, why we push back. One is this, is we already know what the, what the, what the wise people are going to say, and we don't want to hear it. And there's many reasons, right? Our heart is betraying us, like my friend, or, or you know, we just we love what's happening, and our appetites are super inflamed. We just don't want to hear it. Biblically speaking, that makes you a fool. That was week two of our series. I know, but I don't care. But that's kind of thinking that got us into the previous disaster. But we just we just don't want to. Proverbs twelve fifteen says, "The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel." There it is. Listen. We need to listen. So we, we, we just don't want to hear it. The second thing is this, is that we don't think it's anybody's business. This is a personal thing for me. It's just for me only. It's true, but eventually private decisions have public consequences. How much is that, like the back page entertainment headlines, that is what entertainment is like. A private decision is now the public's concern. 
and everybody goes crazy. We don't think it's anybody's business. Uh, Proverbs 1.5 says, A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. Proverbs 15.22 says, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. The results of our personal decisions are rarely limited to just us, to just me. So what we defend is nobody else's business often becomes everybody's business. Our hearts leak. And so that leads us to another reason we push back, and it's pride. Pride. The root of all of this really is pride. It's pride. It clouds us. It gets in the way. Proverbs 13.10 it says, where there is strife, there is pride, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. Pride, therefore, is not wise. It's not, it doesn't mean we can't be confident. It's not the same thing. But pride gets in the way. The trouble is, success is, is intoxicating. When you succeed, like we, we, we cross that line of, of confidence to, to pride, because success, just it, it, it blinds us as well, right? The more successful you are somewhere, the smarter you think that you are everywhere. And you probably can think of someone who's like that, right? They did one thing well, and so like everything I do is well, like I'm going to do it. It's just success is intoxicating, and this happens in so many different things. And so the, uh, the converse of that is failure is humiliating. Failure is humiliating. And these are the two things that I really believe are so huge for us, is pride and failure. There's pain that comes from this. It's pain that drove my friend's statement to me that was a lie. It wasn't true. And pride will lead us almost in the same way, but with different type of results. Failure is humiliating. It's painful. It hurts to listen to advice in areas where we already feel like a failure. It's painful. And so really, and we, we, we gravitate toward this, the culture around us just kind of pushes us to only be affirmed. Like we're all, you and I, we look to just be affirmed. Don't tell me this. Don't say this out loud. I don't need to hear that. Just tell me what I need to be affirmed with. And I know this statement is going to be very hard for you to hear today. And for some of us, that maybe that statement hurts and you can be mad at me. I'm okay with that. But we want to just be affirmed. But Scripture is telling us the opposite, that that won't lead you to life. It won't actually help you out. So to hear something that speaks to our heart, that cuts us, it hurts. It's, it's real pain. It's that pain that leads us to the unwise decision. There's an idol that we have in some way, whether it's success or relationship, security, comforts, and we just want it, and we, 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 we run to these things to try to, to help us, to affirm us, to help in, in all these different things. But scripture is showing us that to find wisdom means to embrace the opposite. Proverbs 19.20 says, listen to advice and accept discipline. 
That's a tough word. Proverbs 19.20, you can write that down. Of accept discipline. It says this, and at the end, you will be counted among the wise. To accept discipline is to invest in your future and to, and to set for the things you really want. Scripture shows us that God leads us through discipline. And we don't have this for you to see, but in Hebrews it says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. But it says, In the end, it, it produces a harvest of righteousness, a harvest of life. And so we want to learn to ask it. We want to learn to seek this out. Yes, your feelings matter. But we're also learning that they betray us. We, you, get in the way. But God disciplines us out of love, out of your future. That means that he's purposeful. He's leading your life somewhere to a future. Whatever tension is going on in your life, he wants to use that to lead you. So everything in you, everything in me is saying to us that we need to be the answer, that we just need to affirm everything we possibly can, and our feelings need to be the ruler of us. But God says that is the opposite of what will actually lead you towards life. This is ultimately a lie. That's really easy. We really want to believe it, but it's a lie. And our pride keeps us from listening. It goes back to listening. It's our pride that keeps us from listening, and it shuts God out. And I really should put this up here with it. Our pain keeps us from listening. It shuts God out. Our pride and pain. And God is the one that really is wisdom. Psalm 10.4 says, In his pride, the wicked man does not seek him, does not seek God. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. God, who created you, who knows you, who cares about you, and everything you feel so deeply inside that you have there, he showed us the best way. What's amazing and beautiful is he didn't just instruct us. He first lived it out. This is why we celebrate Jesus so much. Listen to what it says about Jesus. This is Philippians 2, 6 through 8. It says, Jesus, who being the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. So Jesus chose not to give what he deserved, what he was entitled to. He put himself last. It continues in verse 8. It says this, And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself. He chose to put yourself instead of, ahead of himself. It says, He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. He took the nature of a servant, the God of us, the God of this universe made himself lower than us. 
And he came as the example. And by imitating Christ, it's our lives. I love this. We're called Christ followers, right? So I'm probably making you guys nervous with that. But as Christ followers, we are imitating him. We are finding the best way to live, the best pathway to live. Wisdom. That's wisdom. That is life. What's interesting is the verses before that say this. It begins with this instruction. This is Philippians 2, 3. It says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In all your relationships, this is how we should live. And then it says this, In your relationships with one another, you have, this, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Which is, I'm lower. How can I speak you out. So for us to find wisdom means we have to two things here: listen to others, lay down our pride. We listen, which means laying down our pride. The only way we can truly do this is this really is imitating the attitude of Christ. This can only come from him. But here's the problem. And as we discuss, to get to this point, it brings us to a place where we have to admit. Admit that we have failed. So we say as Christ followers, I don't have it all figured out. I can't do this on my own. I am broken. I'm limited. And we are admitting I failed. I've sinned. I've hurt God. I've hurt others. And that is humiliating. There are things that go in your heart that you hide. There are things that go on in my heart that I hide. They betray us. That is humiliating. It's failure. But this is the beauty of what Christ did for us. By his selfless act, he took on our humiliation. So it wasn't just being an example, hey, this is how you should live, I'm going to come and die. No, he did it. It, was, it had to be done. It was the only way. And he took on our humiliation. And you will never be free from the things that condemn you. Those things that where you say, how, how could I not see this coming? I'll never do that again. Whatever that is, you'll never be free from that unless someone takes that condemnation away. And this is the beauty of Christ. Romans 8, 1 through 4 says this. Paul's explaining all of this to us in such a beautiful way. And he says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What an amazing statement. Why? Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life and has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh. The law, what is the law? The things that, we, that, that are supposed to be right. And you can make your own law and you betray your own rules. The only thing the law did to us, don't murder, don't, don't covet your neighbor, all those different things, the only thing it did was show us we couldn't do it. That's what Paul helped us see. It's for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. So he condemned sin. 
our brokenness, our wrongdoing in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. Jesus took the condemnation. So when you are in Christ, you are no longer condemned before God. And maybe you feel humiliated, but God doesn't see you that way because he sees you as Christ is. We exchanged. Jesus got what we deserve. We get what he deserved. Only in Christ can we truly stand no longer condemned. Romans 5, 8 through 9 says, But God showed us his great love by sending Christ to die for us, for while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. That's the beauty. And it's only from this place of security with God that we can then look at our mess. <laughs> and we want to ignore it. And we can say, this is not who I am anymore. And then we invite Christ into this discussion because he doesn't condemn us. In fact, he's the only one who, can, who is unafraid to lean into the worst parts of who we are. And he steps in and says, I know that's hard. And we invite him in and say, help me walk away. Help me walk towards life. We, we allow the gospel. Of, that's what grace is. And that's when real heart, true heart change comes. We don't change. God forgives us, and we invite him in to allow us to, to walk away from these things. And so it's at that place of condemnation that we have a choice. Ultimately, we're confronted with ourselves. This comes to you. And so we have a choice. One is we can ignore it, ignore Whatever that you're, and just feed, feed it, you know, go for all the things. Look for other things to affirm whatever's going on in you, and we just constantly feed it, feed it, feed it, feed it. Whatever this brokenness is going on in us, and this is what, essentially what is happening in our world, and it's not going well, so we can just ignore it, or we can be overwhelmed by it. The condemnation of our brokenness and our sin and our wrongdoing, it's crippling. And there's many Christ followers that we, we get back to this place where we are overwhelmed and we are crippled by it. And we just, we've not really understood the grace of Christ and we can come back to him. So we ignore it or we can become overwhelmed, of it, overwhelmed by it. Or we can embrace Christ and his grace and continually, continually come to him. That he took the humiliation from us on the cross. And that's why we praise Christ and we sing every week that we celebrate him in the way that we do because it's incredibly beautiful and freeing and we need that that is our foundation so to finish this and pull this all together here's what we know somebody can see what you can't see and somebody can see what you're pretending not to see wise people know when they don't know and aren't afraid to ask those who do know so we have to learn to listen and ask. Lay down our pride. And then we invite God in. Because our pain is significant. And he wants to lead us away from these things. So Christ follower, how can you listen and ask it? And for those of you who are seeking God, Psalm 111.10 says this. It says, The fear 
of God is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belong eternal praise. Perhaps today for you, it's time to find Jesus. That's the starting point for us. We come to him. We lay down our sin and our brokenness and take up, take up the freedom of his love. Perhaps you're ready to follow Christ. Maybe it's time for you to take the step of baptism. Maybe that's for you today. We'd love to talk with you about that. You can check Follow Christ in your connection card. Come talk to me after the service. We'd love to help you begin that journey towards Christ. We want to learn to ask it and listen. That's what leads us to life. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for your words to us. And I know this can feel heavy, but I pray for the for the, the, the grace and the wisdom to just to take steps to you and know that you will lead us. God, give us strength to listen. Maybe we people who step into our world and our culture and we show this as an example because we need that today. We thank you for your grace and your love and the redemption that we find in you in all things. And we thank you and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.